Hello and welcome to the Body Acceptance Podcast. This podcast is for women who struggle to love and sometimes even like their bodies and who want to build a more loving relationship with themselves through experiencing more joy, pleasure, and confidence. Each week we'll cover topics ranging from body image, intuitive eating, self-love, and so much more. If you're ready to learn practical tips and tools for loving the skin you're in, then you're in the right place. Let's get to it. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Body Acceptance Podcast. This week, we are talking about sugar addiction. But before we get started, I just want to let you know that you can now join us in the Body Acceptance Virtual Book Club. This book club is for you if you have purchased and read my Body Acceptance book, and now you want to dive deeper into the concepts that we discuss throughout the book, or if you've been interested in reading the book and you just maybe lack the motivation to read, or you've just been curious about reading the book and now's your time to dive in. It's also for you if you want to start 2022 out with a bang, instead of setting unrealistic New Year's resolutions that you normally struggle to stick with because maybe they're too strict or you can't stick with it long-term and you want to learn how you can begin treating your body better without feeling like you have to sacrifice certain parts of your life or all the things that you love in order to do that. And also, if you want to learn some realistic, practical ways to build habits that leave you feeling vibrant and good in your skin. So to sign up, you can either visit the show notes, the description box, depending on where you're listening or watching this, or just visit thebodyacceptance.com and there is a tab available for you there. All right, so I was inspired to write this episode based on comments that I get from friends and people I know pretty often around their belief that they have about sugar. And that belief is that sugar is addicting. So do you remember that study that was done on rats where they had the choice between sugar or cocaine and they ultimately chose sugar like pretty much every time? So that was a study that I had heard about in the past that confirmed the thing that I already believed about myself, which was that I was addicted to sugar. And I felt addicted to sugar because I noticed that I constantly craved it. And when I did binge on foods, it tended to be foods that were high in sugar or high in carbs. For example, my go-to binge foods were usually ice cream and pizza. And funny enough, when I stopped dieting and I just allowed myself to eat whatever I wanted and discover, you know, what foods that I truly do or don't like, um, I realized I don't actually really like pizza. It's never my go-to option, but I thought that was interesting to know. And that's a conversation obviously for another day. And I think pizza was appealing to me because it had all the cheese. It had all the breadiness, all the things that are demonized in the diet world, I guess, and all the things that I wasn't quote unquote supposed to be eating. So when I heard about that study with the sugar and the rats, I felt validated and I felt like no wonder I'm such a sugar nut because obviously sugar is more addictive than cocaine, right? That's what the study proved. And what most people fail to mention when they talk about this study is that the rats were actually starved before the experiment. Now, why is that important? It's important because carbohydrates are the brain's preferred source of energy. And what is a carbohydrate in the simplest form? 
a monosaccharide. And what is a monosaccharide also known as? A simple sugar. The body is biologically designed to fight against starvation. It's a survival mechanism. So even in a slight drop of calories, especially calories that come from carbohydrates, there will essentially be an alarm that goes off that tells your body to seek food, preferably food high in carbs. And when that alarm goes off, we become highly motivated to seek those things out to the point where it's at the forefront of our mind. And it seems to be the only thing that we can think about. Okay. Now apply that to the rat study. The rats are highly motivated to seek out sugar for energy purposes. And also because it gives a dopamine hit like many of the other things that we do, which include sex, exercise, eating foods that we enjoy, um, music, and many more things. And then spoiler alert, I had accidentally stumbled upon the reality that I wasn't actually addicted to sugar um, and that it was something else going on. So you might be wondering, how does that accidentally happen? Well, in 2016, I decided that I was done dieting for good. I was done obsessing over food and my weight and that I wanted my life back. So I pursued something that is considered food freedom, where basically I threw out all the diet rules or any rules around food. I threw those rules out the window. And in the process of doing that, I began to rely on my body and start to get in tune with my hunger signals and understand my cravings instead of feeling that it was my body fighting against me or that my hunger or cravings were a burden. And so I stopped referring to foods as good or bad. Instead, I looked at all foods as being neutral, nothing was off limits. And that meant that when I craved sugar, I ate what I wanted with unconditional permission and zero guilt. And what happened when I started eating enough and stopped putting sugar on a pedestal surprised me more than anything else, especially after a lifelong belief that I had a sweet tooth or that I was addicted to sugar or that I couldn't trust myself around sugar. So what happened then is that my cravings started to level out and that I naturally craved a balance of in a variety of food and nutrients. Sometimes I wanted an apple with peanut butter. Other times I wanted a salad. Sometimes I wanted a burger or ice cream or a big bowl of sauteed veggies. And still to this day, there are times where I will crave sugar or carbs more than any other food. And then there are also times where I crave lighter or vegetables or more whole foods more than anything else. And so I've noticed that over time, all of my cravings balance each other out as long as I'm listening to and staying in tune with my body. And I'm sharing this to point out two important things. Number one is that restricting or trying to cut out sugar for good is usually going to backfire or end up making your cravings or desire for sugar that much stronger. And number two, it's psychologically proven that humans crave the exact thing that they're forbidden from having. So how much of your craving is actually coming from the fact that you've been told over and over again that sugar is quote unquote bad for you to the point where sugar becomes the scapegoat for any sort of discomfort that you feel within your body or any bad habits that you may have developed or any weight gain or negative body image. And I want you to remember that there's so much more to the story, which is actually really empowering if you think about it. 
because you no longer have to be bogged down by the idea or the belief that sugar controls you. Instead, here are a few questions that you can ask yourself and a few habits that you can examine whenever you find yourself craving sugar more often than anything else or wanting sweets in a way that feels obsessive or like it controls you. The first question is, how is your relationship with food right now? Do you feel guilty for eating certain foods? Are you afraid of weight gain? And maybe that's something that gets in the way of you listening to and honoring what your body is asking for. And do you view food in terms of good or bad? That's all kind of wrapped into one question. Again, the overall theme being, what is your relationship with food looking like these days? And if you feel like you have a negative relationship with food right now, then a good place to start is to stop using terms such as good or bad for the things that you're eating. Stop referring to yourself as being good or bad for eating certain things. And more empowering language that you can start to implement is saying something like, I'm choosing not to eat this right now because I don't know, my body is not asking for it, or I don't really feel like it, or I ate a heavy meal earlier and I just don't feel hungry, or I'm choosing to eat this right now because it sounds good. And I feel that it's exactly what my body is asking for. And I'll feel really satisfied and nourished once I've eaten this. So that's the first thing to look at is what's your overall relationship with food looking like? The next question to ask yourself is how is my sleep? How are my sleep patterns? How is my quality of sleep? Am I getting enough sleep throughout the night? And if you're not getting enough sleep, then you're likely going to crave sugar or caffeine to get that energy boost. And then what usually happens is it leads to an inevitable crash later on in the day. And then you have to seek out more caffeine or more sugar to um, spike up again, and then you crash. So throughout your day, you notice yourself maybe going through spikes and crashes of energy instead of having a level amount of energy throughout the day. And also when you don't get enough sleep, your hunger hormones are not properly regulated and your decision-making abilities are also impaired, meaning that it's more difficult for you to make the best, most loving choices for your body. Because it's almost like if you're impaired by say alcohol and it's harder to make the best choices that you would if you were sober, same goes with the amount of sleep that you've had and whether or not you're feeling groggy or kind of out of it. So here are some tips for good sleep. First of all, seven to eight hours is the recommended amount that's been proven scientifically time and time again. Um, sometimes we think we can get away with less, but studies show that seven to eight is the magic number. Also avoid drinking caffeine after like say noon, especially if you're sensitive to caffeine or I know for me, I am very sensitive to caffeine. So when I'm having trouble sleeping, I usually just lessen the amount of caffeine that I am drinking. So say instead of coffee, I'll have green tea and I'll have that first thing in the morning. And then that's all the caffeine that I have throughout the day. You also want to manage your anxiety and your stress levels so that you're not going to bed, that you're not up at night thinking about everything that you're stressed about from your day. So you can do this 
using meditation, breath work, journaling, making sure that you talk things out and you're not holding things in. Exercise really helps to release excess energy from your body as well. And then if you notice that you have trouble falling or staying asleep, you definitely want to avoid napping throughout the day because again, that can create a cycle of napping for like an hour or two and then not being able to sleep. So then you're tired the next day and you're napping again. And that can also be coupled with a strong desire for a lot of caffeine and sugar throughout your day. So basically it just leaves you seeking all these different ways for getting energy to get through your day. And maybe it's these ways that might not be serving you. And the last tip for good sleep is to build a wind down routine. Wind, W-I-N-D, not drinking a glass of wine before bed. And you want to create this routine about an hour or two before bed. So you can turn off the TV or any screens and read a book. You can put on calming lotion or oil, dim the lights and light a candle, um, take a bath, just do anything that relaxes you and gets your mind and body in the state of being prepared to sleep. And just notice how your moods and your energy levels change when you've had quality of sleep and maybe even your behaviors around food when you've had high quality sleep. All right. So that was the second question. Are you sleeping enough? The next question to ask yourself is, am I eating enough throughout the day? So maintaining stable blood sugar is essential to having balanced hormones, stable moods, sustainable energy levels, and it affects way so much more than we even realize. So if you notice yourself getting hangry often, or even at least once a day, that means that you have likely waited too long to eat and your blood sugar level has dipped too far down. So you want to try to avoid getting to that point. And this is true, especially if you're busy. Sometimes you're going to have to schedule your meals or eat right before you know that you are going to be hungry and Spreading out your meals about three to four hours apart is a good starting point. Again, then experimenting with, is that too frequent for you or is that not enough and you need to eat more often? And if you know that you're going to be busy within the next few hours, the best thing that you can do is eat a snack or a meal beforehand. Also keep emergency snacks available to you and your desk at work. If you have one in your car, in your purse, just readily available and ready to eat for any time that you notice you're starting to get hungry and maybe you don't have time to eat something right away, like a full meal or food isn't going to be available to you for a while. And you want to aim for meals and snacks that offer carbohydrates, fats and protein. So ideally you'd have a balance of the three or at least incorporate all three into each meal or snack that you eat. So for example, um, you'd have avocado toast with an egg for breakfast. So you've got your um, carbs being the bread and then the avocado being your fat and then the egg being your protein. Um, apple with peanut butter for a snack. Apple is your carbohydrates. Um, and then peanut butter is your protein fat balance. For lunch, you could have a salad with beans and chicken and vegetables added to that. Um, and then dinner, an example of that would be like rice, veggies, and like chicken sausage or your favorite um, protein. So instead of trying to strip away sugar, because 
Um, sugar comes in so many different forms and so do carbohydrates. So when you're saying carbohydrates, it's such a broad term, instead of trying to take those things away, just aim to add in more nutrient dense foods. And like I said, more balanced, um, incorporate by incorporating proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. So, so that you're not just eating foods high in carbohydrates, but you're getting a good balance of everything. So some examples, rice, beans, pastas, your favorite veggies, your favorite fruits, tortillas, chicken, turkey, eggs. There are just so many options that you can experiment with. And the nice part is that when you eat more of the foods that leave you feeling good and give you stable energy, then you naturally crowd out the ones that don't provide as much stability or don't maybe feel as good in your body. So there's still space for them and you don't have to feel deprived. It's just that you're not overusing them like you may have in the past. A few other tips for balancing your blood sugar is to start your morning out with a glass of water. Um, also to eat before having your coffee. So usually we like to have our coffee before anything else. And again, that gives us that spike. So instead of doing that, have a substantial meal or um, snack, and then you can have your coffee. All right. So that was the third question. Are you eating enough throughout the day? Are you fully nourished? Are you satisfied with the things that you are choosing to put into your body? And the last question that you can ask yourself is, am I using food to cope with difficult emotions? And if you are using food if you're noticing that you're eating emotionally, that is okay. Most of us, if not all of us do. And I think that just not everybody admits it or talks about it openly, but where you might run into an issue is if food is your main or your only coping mechanism. So if food is your only coping mechanism, and then you add that on top of other dieting behaviors that you've implemented or beliefs that you've adopted, or maybe you start to feel guilty for eating emotionally or eating certain foods, then you just have a recipe for disaster. So if you do notice yourself eating food to cope with emotions, just acknowledge it, just become aware of it. And then tell yourself that it's okay and that you're okay, that your pattern of eating when you're upset probably did serve you well at one point in your life, and maybe it's no longer serving you. And that's why you're wanting to examine and start to change that behavior. So what are some other coping mechanisms that you can add to your toolbox? You can add meditation, deep breathing, therapy, exercise, journaling, all of the above. There are so many options and every, I feel like every situation is going to require a different response or a different coping mechanism, just depending on what exactly you're going through. So you want to just get in the habit of paying attention to what else is available to you. And remember that you can always choose again. It's a learning experience. So sometimes you will notice that you're eating emotionally more often than you'd like, or eating sugar or high carb foods more often than you'd like. And you still have the ability then to just, again, sit down and examine that behavior, get honest with yourself and start to think of ways that first of all, get to the root of what's going on. So think of, you know, asking yourself these questions, why do I think this is happening? And then creating a game plan going forward. So that being said, if you are feeling upset, and you've already eaten emotionally, 
what you can do then is just reflect on it afterwards. Like I said, so journal or talk it out with someone and just remind yourself of what other options that you have available to you. So it's easy and it's normal to blame foods, especially foods that are high in sugar and carbs that have been demonized by diet and wellness culture. It's easy to blame those things for feeling uncomfortable in our bodies and out of control with food. So you may think that the solution to that is to restrict or use more willpower or self-control around those foods, right? But what happens is it usually backfires and leaves you craving more and then feeling worse about yourself when you run out of the willpower. And then it ultimately ends up feeling, having you feel like you are addicted to sugar or that there's something wrong with you or that you're broken in some sort of way. And that can really take a hit on your self-esteem. So the next time that you're feeling that way, I want you to go through the questions that I have outlined in this episode. And I created a free cheat sheet for you with all the questions. And you can download that by either visiting the show notes or the description box, as I've said before. And then my last piece of advice is to pay close attention to the way that you are caring for yourself, the way that you're speaking to yourself and begin eating more regularly and practicing more self-care overall. And after implementing these questions and doing the work to heal your relationship with food, you might still notice that you crave sugar from time to time, maybe more often than you're craving other foods, especially depending on where you're at in your hormonal cycle. But then you'll also likely notice that your cravings even out and um, regulate, especially if you allow sugar to just exist in an otherwise balanced diet. Okay, well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and gotten something useful out of it. And remember that if you appreciate the content that I put out and you want to support me in being able to create even more, you have a few options. So you can interact with my content through likes, shares, comments, and reviews. You can also purchase one of my products. Um, As I said before, the body acceptance book is now out available on Amazon and You can find that by going to thebodyacceptance.com or I have a body acceptance workbook that's going to be available in early 2022. And finally, you can tip me using the tip jar, virtual tip jar powered by ConvertKit and links to all my products that I've mentioned here and the virtual tip jar that I mentioned can be either found in the show notes or the description box, again, depending on where you listen or watch this. Or if you come follow me on Instagram at Lauren M. Kendrick, the link in my bio also has everything available to you. All right. Thanks again for listening. And I will chat with you again next week. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Body Acceptance Podcast. Be sure you're subscribed wherever you listen so you don't miss when a new episode drops. If you love this podcast, I would so appreciate if you leave a review. The more positive reviews I have, the more this podcast can reach women like you who are in need of this message. Let's create a ripple effect and inspire more ladies to love themselves. And as always, feel free to share this episode with a friend or tag me on your Instagram stories at Lauren M. Kepler to let me know you're listening. Can't wait to chat with you again next week. But until then, remember that you're worthy and beautiful as you are right now.